again. All right. Okay. No idea what that was all about. All right. All right. Your voice is totally back. So anyhow, I don't, I was talking about uh, yeah. confessionalism and Paul's experiment between his meetup, which isn't confessional. That's focused more on behavior. It's a lot more like an AA meeting. Right. Which is people coming together. Doesn't matter your confession. We're just right. trying to get better and work on addiction and then a confessional group. Mm -hmm. And my argument would be that as a rule and exception, granted there's exceptions to this, but as a rule, the one works and helps people out of addiction and is actually honest and open and authentic. If people do what they're supposed to, the other mm -hmm. one will work sometimes, but as a rule, it won't because the confession and the rules and the legality in, in Jonathan hate terms binds and blinds. And it really, you exclude people based off of shorthand labels. What I would argue what, it, what confessionalism is, is essentially a psychotechnology. And something I'm learning about technologies through people like Jacques Ellul and this other book I'm reading about modern technology is technology. Fundamentally what technology does by nature is divorces from the real. And, and, and I think then what happens is like, it's, it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut toward community where you're wanting openness and transparency and commitment and things like that. And you're thinking that through this confession, you'll be able to just like skip a bunch of these steps, get to a place where like we all, we're all centered around this identity around these ideas. But the problem with that is like, the problem with that is legion is like people don't know what they believe. Your beliefs are like an iceberg. People mm -hmm. are self-deceived about what they believe. Um, you can lie. You can lie. You can um, you can manipulate the system. People are sinful with it, and they'll exclude people based on. I mean, what do you think modern '80s culture wars are? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's what that is. Conservatives and progressive evangelicals fighting. That's what it is. And I guess my big thing is what I'm trying to argue is like that's not that's not like that's not the exception. That's the rule. Yeah. So like yeah. the whole, the whole thing is broken inherently, like as a spirit, you know, the spirit's off. Yeah. So, so the church I grew up in was both very doctrinal, but also did not have a statement of faith or anything like that because right. we were small and we were very tight knit. Mm -hmm. And so we could use the family mode of operation yep. to kind of know who is in and who is out. Yeah. And like if we needed to, you know, promote someone to be pastor, we didn't, you know, sit them down and hammer out, you know, this and the other thing. It's just we had interacted with them for right. 15 years. And so, so that was more valuable than the psych what the psychotechnology could offer. Right. But the problem is, is that we were, you know, 100 people max on a good Sunday and right. more like 40 or 50 on an average one. And, and there's something, the psychotechnology of confessionalism affords scale and it affords a quick shortcut into community, right? Like I have... I've moved around a bunch, right? I've lived yeah. in Chicago, I've lived in Wisconsin, I've lived in Massachusetts. And the things that churches can do is that you can get into groups and make friends and have deep friendships very quickly. And I would notice that my secular friends wouldn't be able to find as deep of community as quickly as I could, because I could be like, well, I'll just go to the church that's similar to churches I've already been yep. to, you know, and then 
bada boom, bada bing, I, I already have something close to a community. Yeah. And, and confessionalism helps with that. That's part of why that works. So can I push on that a little? Yeah. Yeah. So like I would agree and, and, and I've had that same experience and that's, that's a prominent thing that people talk about is like atheist communities have a hard time forming because they're not centered around these church churches that are formed confessionally. But, but that's more like, that's just the world that we live in within, within a Protestant country is churches are going to be confessional, but they don't necessarily have to be. And so, but here's the thing is like you, but you're not, but you're not leading with, like you're honest you in particular with non-trinitarianism you're not leading with that you're keeping that you're keeping that tucked way 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 back here and then maybe after the course of a really long um relationship where people get to the point where like they really know you and they trust you and kind of all these things that i were saying were like you're help you you have to weigh against okay this is sam i know him but then he's got this thing that's wrong. What do I do with that? That's a very different place than just like the quick expedient psychotechnology. That's just like non-Trinitarian bad out. Right. Nothing. No right. time of day. You're out. If I brought that up um, on my first Sunday or the first time going to a Bible study, I would probably be shown the door or maybe I would be treated slightly nicely, but the pastor would want to sit down with me and right. I would probably be barred from most activities. Right. Um, and so, but the thing is, is if I don't bring it up, everyone's like, oh, Sam's one of us. Um, and so it, it's, yeah, So it's then weird. here, so then what is really the center of the community and the connection? Mm-hmm. Is it really built on authenticity and transparency or is it built on a projection of identity around shorthand labels and identitarianism? Or, or is it that, the propositions have separated from that deeper inner sense of he's one of us, right? We maybe have the elephant that can recognize who's one of us and who isn't. And theoretically, the propositions are supposed to do the same thing. But is it that there's some drift or some disconnect or that this just isn't very specific and sensitive, whereas the elephant knows in a deeper, truer way? Sometimes I feel like, like if I were to create a 10 question pop quiz on Christology decisions from the church councils and have like one answer be, here was the answer that the church council decided, here are the three things they anathemized. And just take a 10 question pop quiz and pass that out to my Bible study. Like what would the average percent right be? Not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. I agree with your point, but the, yes, yeah. <laughs> but it would yeah. not be a hundred percent correct. Yes. Right. So, so what, so like what's going on? Yeah. And, and I've been thinking about this a long time and I don't feel like I have this really figured out yet either. Cause I, it's not that I don't think doctrine is unimportant, right? That's another part of my posture is I do think doctrine is important. Right. Like I think this Trinity question is important and yes. I think that I disagree is important, but I don't think it's important in quite the same way you, the, you, the church thinks. It's important. So let me, let me um, share another point of another person who has 
a more famous example of someone who's been excluded from things based off of doctrinal things. And, and it's also personal to me. I think I maybe mentioned it in one of my responses in a YouTube comment or something, but um, so, and I've made it known on the discord and things. I'm a fan of Rob Bell. I like him. I don't agree yeah. with him on everything. I like him. Rob Bell was my water skiing instructor when I was a kid at summer camp. That's fantastic. I didn't learn universalism from him, but I learned how to water ski. Well, maybe not explicitly. <laughs> not explicitly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so he, when I lived in Iowa, and this just happened, this was just like a synchronicity. I happened to be reading um, Velvet Elvis, his first book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, at the same time, for whatever reason, I was going to a, uh, conservative evangelical church but at the exact same time that I had read this particular portion of this book the pastor commented on it from a sermon and used it as an illustration and so Rob in his book he uses he um, he has this section where he says our doctrines are doctrines more like bricks in a wall or springs on a trampoline and so he says, when you start pulling out doctrines of like, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if I believe that. I'm questioning that. He's like, does the wall fall down? Or is it more like there's a trampoline where you're just like, I take out this spring. I take out this spring. I take out this spring. I don't know if I can affirm that. But can you keep jumping? Mm -hmm. He said, I would, I would contend that faith is a lot more like, and doctrine has a relationship much more like a trampoline than like a brick wall. And, but in that illustration, he said, he he listed some specifics of like the virgin birth um that's the one in particular i remember he probably said like inerrancy whatever pick your pet doctrine mm -hmm. and then the pastor from the pulpit this is the whole point of the story said something like his his takeaway point was essentially that he had heard of that book or read the book or something and he said rob bell does not think the virgin birth is necessary and i said that's not what he said he didn't say that at right. all. He didn't say that anywhere right. in the book. Right, right. And, and I think, I actually think, so I was saying this, I don't know if I was saying it to Jeff or if I wrote it to Paul, but I was saying, right. what I actually he, he think Kathy, Rob, He Kathy Newman'd him, right? Yes, for right. sure. So what you're saying is, 100%. is the virgin birth is not important. No, right. Not, no. I actually think what Rob yeah. did is exactly what Jordan Peterson's doing with the resurrection. Because even now, I think if you ask Rob Bell, like, do you think the virgin birth is necessary? I don't think Rob Bell would answer. No matter what he personally believes, he would just be like, I'm not playing that game. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear, which is a very Jordan Peterson thing. Right. And, I, and Jordan Peterson would be like, I'm not going to play your resurrection identitarian game. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do it. I know what you're doing, and I'm not doing that. And so, And I think what's so interesting, and then – and very famously, I mean, you know, I went to John Piper's church for a long time. And then after Rob wrote his love, you know, he had this back and forth relationship. John Piper tweeted at him like, farewell, Rob Bell. Yeah. yeah. That's what confessionalism gets you. That, mm -hmm. I would argue. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's not healthy. It's not good. Like, this is what I was trying to talk about in my conversation with Paul is that what confessionalism will do is it will bind and blind and you'll have a statement of faith. And what you'll really only you'll end up doing is you'll attract people either in a conservative sphere. So like I affirm this, 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 I'm pro-life. I'm more Republican leaning. I believe you should have your guns. I believe, you know, in certain tenets of nationalism, or you'll get the progressives over here that are like, 
We don't believe in those things. We believe immigrants have value. We believe, but like they're just, they're both conservative tendencies. They just have a different hierarchy of what they value and they exclude Mm -hmm. everyone else. Well, you're playing the same game. Mm -hmm. Spiritually, you're doing the same thing. Like, and and I'm not going to like, and I am not going to then come in there and say like, I affirm this and this and this and this and this and this. I, what my whole point is like, I'm not playing that game. I think everyone mm-hmm. should stop playing that game. So how do you think that the Orthodox church is doing this differently? Like what if I were to show up to an Orthodox church? Cause I can't recite the Nicene creed either. Sure. Sure. So, so this is where I think it's complicated. So in my, in my last, my second aired talk with Paul, he kind of pushed back because I was talking about the West and how this thing is endemic to the West and globalism and my whole technological babble thing. And he was saying, well, that's in the East too. But I think what's happened in our modern globalized society is modernism has become globalized. So even though I would think it's not inherent to the East, it's been affected in the East because so like how that would play out an example for you is like the Orthodox church, I don't think the Orthodox Church theologically and historically and philosophically thinks about doctrine in the ways that we've been talking about. However, like when I go to my local parish, all these people, or not all of them, but now it's starting to be most of them are born America. Most of them are raised American. They are somewhat a spiritually Protestant Orthodox Church. So like they're mm-hmm. going to have it. There, there's a lot of influence of modernity within that church. Mm-hmm. And so like, how does it play? So that becomes complicated, like how it plays out on a practical level, because I would say within the teaching of the church, the kind of confessionalism that I'm critiquing is a no go. It's a non-starter, mm-hmm. but, but we're pretty modern and Westing at culturally because of the modern world and so like if you came for example what what i think would happen and again i'm no expert you know if you came to our church um i do think that if if even if you an honest conscience could never say um i affirm the nicene creed i don't know that you would ever be invited um into into communion and like into the sacraments into communion like i don't think you probably would i mean i don't know you know i'm not a priest and maybe there's variability in that but i but i doubt that you would but like but this is what's this is what's so interesting to me and i don't and i don't know with with all of that what's right about it i mean it's it's a it's a hard place to be for the church because like you were saying are there many people, are there many people, this is like a wheat and tares thing. Are there many people mm-hmm. that go to the church that affirm all these things and take communion that don't really believe them? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they just say the right things. And so what's better, just saying the right things either ignorantly or even worse with motivated ignorance. Yeah. Trying to be authentic and not affirming it. Like what, what's a better thing? Or, or even saying it aspirationally, right? I could sure. imagine people in that camp where I kind of want to believe those things. They don't, but I'm, I'm uh, acting as if I'm uh, yeah. doing the Pascal thing right now. Yeah. And that's a lot of people on the so, Discord are that way, right? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I think of seems that way. Job's that, that way, like, uh, Voth or Voth or whatever his name is. I mean, he's kind of that way. Yeah. Like, he just, in good conscience, there's certain things they can't, they can't say. But I guess what I'm, and I don't know how to say it, but, like, just as a, as an FYI of where I am, like, even in my, in my deconstruction of all these things and like, I have to figure out where I am and what I think about all this stuff. Something happened in mm-hmm. me existentially where like, I don't know what I think about all these finer points of doctrine. And it's not that I don't think they're important, but I can go there and I can say the creed and I can do all the things. And I, I mean, we're not even Orthodox yet, but I can go there in good conscience and do all that stuff, not knowing what I think about it. And, and there's some way that my relationship to all of it is just different. Like it doesn't bother me and I don't have to figure it out anymore. Interesting. So I, I don't have very much personal experience with orthodoxy. My main experience is with people on the discord server. And I like, I had some Greek uh, friends growing up, uh-huh. but to, in their lives, it really seems like the Orthodox church was just like an ethnic community center that was basically for what Jewish people have, but for Greek people. Yeah, I think and, it is a lot. And so, um, but we, I, apparently it's not always that way. But at, like for Catholics, and I have a lot of experience with Catholics. My mom's side of the family is Catholic, Irish Catholic. For a lot of Catholics, it's more like just a, 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 or a posture of submission to the church. Mm-hmm. And like you could go down the list and find all sorts of things that they disagree about with the church. Sure. Like a shocking number of things that right. they disagree about. But, you know, there's Catholics. And they will, right. they will go and they will take communion. They will respect the priest and they will go through the motions, literally. Right. And literally. Um, and, and that's like a posture that can be had within Catholicism, seemingly. Yeah. Is like, well, that's my church and they're right about things. But right. just don't ask me my real opinion. Right. And there's part of that, right, that's really, that to me is like really beautiful. Like, that's cool, but then there's still, like, the Protestant within me that's partially elephant, partially writer that is, like, thinking Luther indulgences. Like, that's not yeah. good. abuse, yeah. institutional right. brokenness. Hypocrisy, yeah. Hypocrisy, pedophilia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, um, so I have all those things going on, and, and I'm just... And this is where, like, even between Orthodox and Catholicism, I mean, I don't, if this ever gets posted, and I don't know how many of, like, the more active Catholics watch the rando videos, but, um, but, like, that would be something that would be interesting for me to have, like, Carlos or Mary or Andreas respond or something to be, like, how do Catholics respond to that? Because the Orthodox, what I know of Orthodoxy is that's always been a distinct difference between what was called like the Latin West and the Orthodox Church was people within Orthodoxy always saw the Catholic Church as much, they had a spirit of scholasticism and dogma and dotting the I's and crossing the T's where in the East it was all, it was always much more about at least within what won the day was more of the mystical apophatic approach, you know, that flew out of like Gregory of Nyssa Mm -hmm. and Gregory Palamas and those guys. Um, And so it wasn't ever, the only way I can just, I don't know how to really say it, but it's, but to me, it feels like, it feels like the existential thing that happened to me when 
and I, and I I don't even know how to say it. It's not that I stopped caring, but I had to. St- but I but I I stopped having to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I stopped having to. I stopped having to have my belief centered in my conscious mind. Right, and there was a some amount of of trust or de de emphasizing your own control over yeah. the thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was a complete release of that. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. You're making a lot more sense to me now. Um, <laughs> and I, I, can, I can see that. I can see that. Um, for me, the weird thing is, is like, if I, I don't even know what church I would be able to do that for, right? That sort of mm. trust handing over control because it's like, well, there's the Orthodox, and even then there's multiple kinds of Orthodox, mm-hmm. and there's the Catholics, and then there are a bajillion types of Protestantism. And it's like, I can see some of their different claims to authenticity or authority and stuff like that, but it, it's sort of a buffet at this point, and I would have to trust myself to know which one to trust in, and yeah. that, seems, that seems paradoxical. Yeah, and I still think, I don't know, I had... I don't think I've said this to you. There's still a big part of me. Like I'm not a big, I wouldn't say that I'm an advocate to just being like in my ideal world. It's not where like everyone becomes Orthodox. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, I just don't, I think that really for most people and most temperaments and, and even, even with my, te- I don't know, even for me, if that was the best thing, right. I, I almost actually, and part of this is maybe my temperament. Like I'm just a weird, I'm like a, I don't know if you know the Enneagram, I'm a four on the Enneagram. So I'm a weirdo. I forget the numbers, but I've so taken like, it before. I'm the romantic individualist, mm-hmm. just one way they've been described is they're simultaneously like think they're God's gift to the world and also the worst thing to happen to humanity. <laughs> like, so like what I, you're saying is you're Calvinist. Well, <laughs> parts of that really, parts of that really relate to me. And like, I'm working, well, I could, I'll tell you some other time, but there's an aside of a personal thing that I'm working through in my own life that would detract from all of this, that I was talking to a guy about this morning that I meet with weekly. And I was just like, openly weeping in a coffee shop for like a half an hour mm-hmm. um that's flowing out of a lot of that stuff uh but anyhow yeah it's a uh, I, I it's too much and really like this is all stuff that we've learned through jordan peterson paul verveke is like there's the world is too big for you to just like who was saying that recently like almost looking at religion as like a buffet and saying like I'm just gonna pick and choose these things. Well, that's a little bit of like which what church am I gonna? Yeah, yeah. I just the the world is too big and you're too small almost to do that. There's this Cormac McCarthy quote that I always love going to from All the Pretty Horses. But essentially, like I think almost the best thing that you can do is as faithfully and honestly and earnestly as you can practice your faith in the tradition in which you were raised. Yeah. Well, here's a question. What if the church you were raised in dies and it was not part of a denomination? That's literally what happened to me, hmm. right? Like I, I left um, the Chicago suburbs when I graduated high school to go to college. Hmm. And, you know, I went back for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah. But I moved back to Chicago basically 10 years later after living in other places. And by the time I got home, my church had died. Yeah. Um, 
and for weird historical reasons, people don't know very many biblical Unitarians because there aren't very many, right? Or they're and, closeted. <laughs> or they're closeted um, and don't yeah. have their own churches. Yeah. So I, I'm like a ship that went on a voyage and came back and its home port was destroyed. Right. And, and I can't authentically <clears throat> participate in the tradition of my fathers. Right. right? And yeah. so, so then, so I don't even have that option. So, but I'm like kind of doing that by maintaining my own personal convictions on these things. Sure. But I have to do like a second best for that. Uh, right. by picking other churches and they're almost exclusively Trinitarian churches. And then I have this weird conflict or, you know, thing that, that comes up. Right. Well, and I think, <clears throat> and that's where I, I was in somewhat of a similar place. Cause I, I've always said I'm kind of an evangelical mutt. So like, what is my tradition? Right. Right. You know, like it's, it's a little bit more of a, that kind of is a like forced choose your own buffet yeah. adventure um yeah i remember when you were saying this and i mean again this isn't just what's popping into my head so i'm not like saying you need to do this to promote it but um there's this guy who a priest he's in california somewhere northern california but josiah trenum who a long time ago um sarah had mentioned him to me because he did he did a book and he has this YouTube, there's two YouTube videos called rock and sand on like interacting with reform doctrine from an Orthodox perspective. Cause he used to be, he went to like Westminster theological seminary and was reformed mm -hmm. and, and he became Orthodox. And he said, one of the big reasons that he became Orthodox, cause they asked him that it's a Q and a thing is he said, I, I didn't know if my church would exist for my children when they were grown. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. said, and he knew with the Orthodox Church, like it would. It, it was almost yeah. the constancy of the church that drew him to Orthodoxy. And um, yeah, and that is, you know, that is a strength, I think, yeah. of those longstanding traditions. Um, right, right, right. And so another weird thing about me is, you know, so I, I have strong opinions on certain topics, you know, yeah. from Christology to other stuff. But I also know how much it sucks to be excluded and right. what it feels like yeah. to be on the outside. So I have like this weird double thing where I think doctrine's important, but I don't think doctrine's important. And that, <laughs> yeah. that I, I have a very, this isn't my natural tendency, but I feel like I've come to a very ec ecumenical conclusion. Kind of like what you were saying, you're not sure if the goal would be to have everyone become orthodox. Like, it doesn't bother me at all that, like, say, Job is going to his Dutch church and maybe is kind of interested in Catholicism, but he'll probably just go to the Dutch Protestant yeah. church. Like, for me, I'm like, awesome, right? And it's not like I'm like, oh, we lost another one to the Dutch Calvinist or right. something like that. Um that doesn't bother me at all. And the other weird thing is, is I don't have a church to invite people into, right? I don't have, oh, come join my thing. It's great. I'm, I'm like, no, you could come join my thing, but it sucks. Um, and yeah. So, so I feel like the only conclusion that I can come to is I've seen lots of great Christian people, elephant-wise, in all sorts of things, right? Like some of my Catholic relatives are, were just, 
bombshell Christians, just like amazing people. Like my grandmother was just, just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and I know, I know really good Christians from lots of different denominations. I guess my posture is, is that I think we need to open up some of the boundaries or at least open up the range of possibility of discussion and stance on some topics, especially ones that seem to have grown somewhat stale over the last 2000 years. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't, I agree with you. I just, I just, ultimately like that's kind of why I ended up, leaving protestantism is i could just i just never found that yeah um and i actually that i talk about that in my first conversation with paul and then also um pete ends which i thought his conversation with t jump was fantastic but he who pete ends you know who pete ends is no okay so he it, it got thrown around there's so much stuff thrown around on the discord but he's an author and he's kind of He's one of those guys that was, um, Paul will talk about him sometimes. He was in reform circles for a while, was at, I don't know, he was in like Paul's circles, I think. And then eventually mm -hmm. he kind of started changing his beliefs and got, and now he's like in this liminal place of like, people think he's a progressive. I don't really think he's a progressive, but he's, but he's mm -hmm. written books on like. I, I should warn you, maybe a five minute or less warning, my flight's starting to board. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so he, anyhow, he, I like a lot of his stuff and he had a conversation with this atheist T jump and I just loved everything he said. Like it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it was on the discord the other day. I'll send it to you. And, um, but he came out to Minneapolis and that's what I said to him. There was like a Q and a, I went and saw him live and said it to him it was like, essentially that's why I ended up leaving evangelicalism. It was almost deficiency on my part just because I was always craving what you like this thing that's happened with the Paul Vanderclay world and everything. This is what we always wanted church to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's not. And I could never no. find it locally. And I would argue that, like, again, you maybe will, but it'll be the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because this underlying spirit. And so, like, to your point, I, I don't know if that spirit is fundamentally capable of reform because I think it goes all the way back to the Reformation. Mm -hmm. I think the spirit flows from that and it's all tied into modernity. And um, I mean, essentially that's what my whole idea of like technological yeah. babbles. Mm -hmm. Well, but, I'll need to think more about your uh, prognosis, but I do agree with your diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. Well, I, I mean, dude, I empathize with your situation a ton. And I think that you, uh, I mean, I just, I'm a, I'm kind of an empath and I'm just like, Oh God, I just, I can imagine, I can imagine so many scenarios that you've gone through and like, I just feel like I can feel it. And it's just mm -hmm. like, ah, I, and because like, I've just tasted like that kind of thing a little, like I'm sure like my, my worst church example uh, that I mentioned in that first talk with Paul, like I'm sure you've had that a hundred times to the point where like, you know, you're pretty seasoned and good at dealing with it. And, um, and partially my heart breaks for you, but not only you, I'm just like, I want to yeah. fix the thing that's underneath that. 
yeah. or try to or speak to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully be talking with Paul sometime. I haven't gotten a spot on the calendar, but I, I check that link as uh, when I can. All right, so I need to go board yeah. my flight. But right. anyway, it was, it was great talking with you. I really appreciate it. This is, this is helpful to process these things. I'm good. I always really enjoy it. You're one of my faves. So all right, like we'll see you later. And I feel like I'm really getting to understand you better too. Well, thank. Uh, you. That's good. That's like that's you say that to a four on the enneagram. That's just like you're. I mean, you're cooking <laughs> with the pushing the love language. Button. Oh man, that's what I love. You tell me you understand me. I tell you what. <laughs> All right. See you soon. All right. See ya. Bye. All right. I wanted to talk to Sam about confessionalism because I figured yeah. there can't be a better discussion partner for this topic. Can there? Than you? I thought you wanted to confess your me <laughs> well, well we, could, we could do that too but i mean yeah we could do a back and forth confession no I, I, right yeah i think this is a topic that we we sort of talked about a little bit in our conversation with julian on the joker yeah then kind of kind of moved on to other things right and it's so so then um this morning on discord um i think I just mentioned that um, you're the four way between you and Joey and Hank and Paul this morning had reminded me of some of my uh, first talk with Paul. And so then I don't know. I mean, that might get put on the discord at some point as an unlisted thing, but, and I actually, um, that's what I actually, I actually re listened to it this morning, my conversation with him, we were just talking about mm -hmm. how, I listen. I re-listen. That's all I do is re-listen to my conversations, Sam. How how long ago was that? So it was my first talk with him was in. I looked at that because I was curious too. It was September twenty eighteen. Wow, wow! So that's just over a year ago. Yeah. How do you how do you feel like? Did you get any sense that you've changed since then? Oh, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure that I have um, you changed in what way? Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is weird seeing snapshots of yourself in the past. Like even just listening to the conversation I recorded a couple days ago, uh, like your brain sort of thinks of what you would say if you were part of the conversation. And yeah. then when you're actually part of the conversation, part of it's like, oh man, that is exactly what I would have said. But then sometimes it's like, oh, Sam, you really should have said that. that right. Been more on point. It but. is. It's really interesting. I was actually, and I don't know, I told Paul, I sent him a direct message. I, I don't know. Paul is one of those people. He's so, he has enough of his own status rocket now where I'm sure he's so just inundated with messages and things. I don't know how much of, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't send him a ton, but even when I send him things, excuse me, he's pretty good at you know, sending a quick email or saying he saw it or something like that. But I was telling him that he should do it's, it's to the point now where I think it should happen. Paul, he keeps doing different things. We had group talks. I said, now mm -hmm. you need to do a commentary on your own video. So like on my conversation yeah. with you of confessionalism, you should do a commentary on that now. Um, because he said, I don't know. It was interesting. There's things, 
there are things in these conversations that you miss. And this is something Paul talks about a lot is that even in relisting through like a Jordan Peterson biblical series, you know, as he's listened, cause I don't know Paul, what he said, he's probably listened to that first video of the biblical series. I mean, Paul's probably listened to it like 10 times maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get, and the, and that's the thing about, um, with things that are deep art. I mean, we talk about this with Joker, but also anything that's art, a conversation that's sufficiently deep. It has too much for your, for your conscious mind to pick up on first take. And so as you rewatch it, you see other stuff. So, um, and then it's also, you've maybe learned more stuff since the first time and things click better or trigger different thoughts. And that, yeah, that's, that's weird. What you see in here depends a lot upon where you're standing. It also depends upon yeah. the kind of person you are. You yeah. will, you really will see completely different things. And that's just because that's how you only see what's salient, you know, what pops to you for whatever yeah. reason. And um, like, I just noticed that you seem to have a little bit more of a goatee than since the last I'm working time. on it. I also uh-huh. haven't showered. I want to give, if this ever gets published, <laughs> I want to give everyone all my different, this is what I look like completely. It's not that different. Pretty unkept. I don't. I'm not, I don't put a lot of effort into my, I don't even brush comb my hair usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to, this is like my dad when I was growing up. He just had like these thick handlebar mustache. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm actually going to go see him for Christmas. And so I'm going to just be like, hey, look, I'm a little you. Yeah. Yeah. What's that song? Hey, you know, my son is just like me, that uh, cat in the cradle song. Um yeah. So confessionalism, how would we define what confessionalism is? I would say it's it's something like a denomination that has as part of its requirement for membership and maybe even grades of, you know, membership and responsibility, the requirement to um, recite something and, and agree to it. And, it's a little bit like a creed, but they're often kind of long. Like the Heidelberg mm-hmm. catechism is, is, is not super short. Right. And that this was sort of like a Protestant kind of thing. Not that Catholics and Orthodox don't also have creeds and things yeah. like that, but it was sort of, I don't know, turned up a notch. Right. And I was, so I've been, um, so, uh, Jeff and, uh, sometimes Jeff and Sarah and different I box with, and they're kind of like my guinea pigs, just my mental diary. And they just listen if they want to, to things that I'm thinking about. And I was trying to work this out because I've really been, my mind's just been clicking after watching that video. Um, that was very salient to me, the things you're talking about. And even like, this is almost why in a way, I mean, not only do I, I just enjoy you personally. I think you're an interesting person, but I also think that you are, um, you're you're like uh i don't know fortuitous or it's like a serendipity that you have entered into this world and this conference because you are almost like i was telling uh jeff and sarah that you're like a um you are like an example of a pattern of something that i've been trying to articulate to paul that i feel like i just can't i have a hard time articulating the pattern the bigger pattern or you're like the uh, the example of the rule or the the manifestation, the embodiment of the spirit or the principle. And like, you're it. You're like a great example that gives me like almost just a, 
a foil to illustrate what I think is the problem with a certain type of confessionalism, which is what my whole first talk with Paul was about. Um, because that was one of, so to clarify what confessionalism before we get into that is, um, cause Jeff was saying, maybe I'm misunderstanding what confessionalism is, but he said, isn't, isn't the Orthodox church confessional? And I said, well, yes, in a sense, in, in a sense that like they confess the creed and they would say, I confess. And we say the Nicene creed every week. And, but, and this is the thing I keep trying to illustrate, but the way that they, the way that the Orthodox perceive the world um, and the way that they confess that and hold to that creed is different. It's fundamentally different than the way that Protestants do. And I think some Catholics too, they're kind of a mixture, I think, but um, they, the Orthodox confess to a creed, not in a, not in like a mere literal historical kind of, they, they confess in a way that isn't flowing out of like the enlightenment and empiricism and positivism. And like, we know these things historically, they're not confessing to that thing. Like an American apologist would, they're confessing to a thing in like a very, like how Peugeot would say literal when he had his view on, which we've talked about, maybe that wasn't the best word, but, but when he's trying to talk about literal or even like, when Christians want to argue, like, is something historical or not? Like, the Orthodox would confess to a lot of historical things, but it's in a way that's not, that's symbolically, it's bigger. Like, Christ is the rock. They confess mm -hmm. to that thing. Well, what does that mean? Literally or historically? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's, right. a, it's a deeper level of confession that isn't mere mental affirmation of propositions within a certain frame. Right. Maybe as Verveke would say, it's more participatory than propositional. And or equally sort of, so somehow, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, doing doing kind of both of it at once instead of just sort of isolating it. Right. Um, because the Nicene Creed, you know, it has some some meat to it. It has some propositions, but it, it's nothing like say the the Heidelberg or what's the the Westminster or yeah. something more out of the reformed tradition right and and those and this is what I was trying to tell Jeff and the way that those because this is really what Paul and I's first talk was about there's a way though that a certain and this is the two I almost said Paul has his gods number one and God number two I have like confessionalism number one and confessionalism number two there's a type of confessionalism that I would say is is inherently backbiting and divisive in kind of like a um, first uh, first Timothy one Paul talks about you know like don't get into debates about you know keep hold fast to the doctrine that's been handed to you but don't get into these endless debates about myths and genealogies and these things on, to which people wander off into fruitless discussions yeah. infinite backbiting there's a there's a way that you can hold to truth confessionally I would say that will manifest over time in endless backbiting and division. And I would say inherently, like when you look at the last 500 years, that's Protestantism. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the reason why I feel like I'm some sort of like in artificial intelligence, there's this concept of like an, an antagonistic example where okay. you um or ai has been designed to do something like a self-driving car or something and you put like you know some weird shape in the road and it completely blows its boundaries and it doesn't know what to do 
right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the key is finding those examples and then helping it overcome those so that it gets better and better. And the reason why I feel like I'm some sort of antagonistic example for this whole Protestant confessionalism thing, and this is very connected to what you, Julian, and I were talking about. We sort of talked about um, church as something like a family yeah. versus church as something where it's a boundary set with with propositional boundaries and i it's sort of like imagine that all you can tell a christian by the way they act if you get to know them well enough right there's a turing test of christianity you know <laughs> we if you if you get to know someone well enough and see the way they live their life you kind of get the sense of whether or not they're a christian and do they love yeah do they love, do they, how do they walk? What fruit yeah. does their life bear? Yeah. And then there's the, the propositional way of knowing if someone's a Christian. And I like pass number one, but fail number two. Right. And most people don't think that that should be possible. They think that this set of propositions. Well, it messes with their is. proposition of like, right. that doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. You, you're like the, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's some really pithy, um axiom or statement of like you're not the straw that broke the camel's back but you're like the what what would it be like the not the grist in the mill what is it you're 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 like the the bug in the program or something uh -huh. um as long that, as i'm not the fly in the perfume um yeah <laughs> right <laughs> right no you're not you're not spoiling it you're like the thing that brings about you're like the I mean, in a sense, I, I almost view you as just like, uh, um, a, a conduit to renewal because really, um, and whatever, you're not perfect, but you are authentically holding to what you believe in a, mm -hmm. in an earnest way. And you're just saying, what do you want me to do? Lie? Mm -hmm. Right. But, but because of that, it's allowing us to get at, okay, like, okay. So then, so then you, you have these two things. You're like, you have Sam here who I'm, be, I'm beginning to know. I have no reason to think that there's something disingenuous or duplicitous with you. You're authentically pursuing these things. You're not, you're not like on the slippery slope to progressivism to try to use these things to justify some kind of alternate lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, all these, all these defense mechanisms that I was raised with that, that allow us to just exclude the other and to scapegoat the other, you're not doing any of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You seem to be earnest. You're not, you're not uneducated about this stuff. Like, you know what you're talking about. You probably understand church history and a lot of philosophy more than I do. And so like, I can't be like, well, he just, he just doesn't know all the info. Um, so then what do you do with it? It's like, a. um, where where do you then go so so this is what i want to so in my talk with paul um we were talking about my first talk we were talking about confessionalism and 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 uh he was saying he started he started talking about these meetups so he was talking so like it's interesting because now your conversation was about these meetups and he was just in the beginning of starting his sacramental meetup in my talk with him and he said you know people are saying oh you're just building a church of like atheists and people essentially people were questioning they're like oh somehow you're building this internet church and this local church and people from the sacramental community of like a church 
but it's not confessional. Like none of them, like a bunch of them don't believe. But we are all getting together in an honest, open thing and you're having these discussions. So Paul, in my conversation with him, he said something like, it's almost like he's running an experiment. Cause he said, I know confessional churches. I've been in those my whole life. So there's a couple things he said in our talk. He said, and I know enough to know that this confessionalism is kind of a thin crust on the outside. He said, a lot of these people, you start having conversations with them and the point and the, the illustration he uses, is like you start talking about divine election, which is like a reform doctrine. And he says, you start having a conversation with them and they affirm these things. But then as they're talking, Paul's thinking in his head, he's like, Oh, you're an Arminian. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I can't hear you. Like, you can't hear me. No. Hello. Did my headset? I can still hear you in my ears. Can you hear me now? Just barely, but really, that's so weird. When in the world is it like auto throttling the background noise for me? Still nothing. Nothing. What in the world? What in the world? Here, do you want to pause for a second? I'll leave and come back. You're holding up two fingers. <laughs> I can see part of your hand. Huh? You'll come back, maybe. This is one of those things will be edited out, I suppose, if Sam ever makes it back. Can I hear you right, now? Back. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can't hear you. What in the world? I can hear you just fine. Huh. Yeah. Just hold it right up to your mouth like this. All right. Well, I might have to <laughs> kill my headphones. No, you're totally silent, which is weird. Um, All right. How about now? Can you hear me now? We might have to do this. We might have to do it in like pieces. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> now you're going to hear the airport background noise. I don't know what's going on. What in the world is going on? Huh. I can hear you hey, just fine. Should we just stop this one and then start a new meeting? Can we do that? Sure, let's do that. Okay, I'll do that. All right.